Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. I'm excited to be back with you on this episode. I want to thank you guys for listening and thank you for sharing these podcasts with other people. I was talking to someone the other day. They said, I didn't even know you had this. And they'd been going to church at the church there for several months. And they said, I began to share this with my friends. And I thank you for sharing. We're nearing 5,000 downloads, which is a pretty good stepping point uh, just for a little thing like we began doing a couple years ago. And I thank you for sharing those things. But I want to talk to you in this episode about something that's talked about and has been for hundreds and hundreds of years and it will be for the next time. But I want to talk to you about worship. And it's so important because I believe if the devil's going to try to steal anything, he's going to try to steal our worship and he's going to try to pervert it in some way or the other. But I think one of the easiest ways for me to go back and to understand worship is to go back in the time of the tabernacle. And I've went to great study on the tabernacle for years. And it's, it's really, infatu- I've been infatuated with what I found in the tabernacle. But I want to I go in Exodus chapter 24, verse 18. I'll just read a couple of verses. And I think it's important to understand that the Ten Commandments were given to Moses in chapter 20 of Exodus, but we're coming to the place to where God is ready to give Moses these actual tables of stone where the Ten Commandments were written on. And and God calls Moses up. And in verse 18 of Exodus chapter 24, it says, Moses went into the midst of the cloud and get him up into the mountain. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. And, and chapter 25, verse 1 says this, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, So he began, after he calls him up, he spoke to him, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering, every man that giveth it willingly, with his heart ye shall take my offering. And then he goes to instruct him on what they want him to bring. And, and he says that, and he says, you know, I want you to bring me a take of them gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and skins and shittim wood and oil for the light and spice for the anointing, onyx stones and stones to be set on the ephod, the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And then verse 9 says, according to all that I show thee after the pattern of of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even though, even so shall you make it. And, and he's telling him, he's saying, I'm going to have you make something. But the first thing, when I make something, I want you to bring me something and bring me the people to make it. Now I want to acknowledge to you that it just wasn't material things. There was a lot of work that went into the tabernacle. And I can assure you after the children of Israel have come out of Egypt, uh, we know that they actually were able to even take of the gold and, and the silver of the people of Egypt, of the Egyptians before they left, that God had, had instituted that in a way. And there's a whole sermon in that, that he had given them uh, their, out of their abundance. They had given them the children of Israel, their stuff. And so they had some stuff to offer, but not everybody had gold. Not everybody had silver. It just didn't work that way. There were lower class of people and upper class of people, people that came first. And But but the bottom line is everybody gave something. And, and the greatest thing we can ever give to God is our worship. But we, we need to be very careful to think that when we when we give our worship to God, that it's just in, in it's only in spirit. Because the Bible says, Jesus addresses and says, there'll be a day he told the Samaritan woman where you won't go worship God on 
this mountain or that mountain, but everybody who worships God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the truth of the word of God is that when we go to God to worship, we are usually offering him something of substance, something of ourselves, but also something that of, that of, of value. And, and sometimes some of those people didn't have gold and silver, but they gave their time. You know, I'm afraid we're moving into a time of the church that now we're going to where it's online. Hey, online church is so good. I mean, they're, the, the cameras are better. The sound is better. I mean, it's almost now like a football game. It's almost better to experience it by watching it. You can get a front row seat that just like you can in football, better than you can sit in the nosebleed section for $250. And sometimes I'm worried that our church isn't moving that way. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I talked to someone the other day, they don't even live in the state, but I was talking to another person on the board of a church and they said after COVID, they said they've been talking to a lot of the parents and it's just so difficult to get the kids out and get them around and all this. They said, we've decided just to be online uh, at least three weeks out of the month because we can leave the kids in their PJs, give them a bowl of cereal their lap and he said they're good to go and they can experience the worship service and they said now the church is really even giving those kids their own special time of online and i'm not against having that for when it's needed or when someone's sick i'm not against that but i'm saying be very careful in your worship that it doesn't become your convenience because this was this was out god's calling these people god's calling the his chosen people god is calling them out from where they are, calling them to a position of giving out of what they have. Some of it was time. Some of it was money. Some of it was, uh, we know that there was even money that was given that was silver, which also is a type and shout of the redemption of Jesus Christ. We know that because that was given uh, for him that Judas paid silver. So we know that, that what we see silver, we think of redemption. And so some people gave silver, gold, but they get, they all gave something. It cost them something. Something. It ought to, it costs us something to worship God. First of all, it'll cost you your sin. Uh, we can't go to God and think, well, you know, God, we can just keep living the way we want to. We can come to God. It'll cost us our sin. We, we need to lay down. And by the way, it's uncomfortable sometimes to deny yourself. The, by the Jesus, you know, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow after me. Deny yourself. That's a part of worship. Denying ourselves and denying our sinful nature. That is who we are. You know, one preacher said, worship is not worship what we do, but worship is who we are. And it's so true when we talk about worship, but there's this idea of giving something. You know, I walked away from my life in the world to be able to enter into this life with Christ as I became an offering. And by the way, not only did the Bible says that you were to present yourself a holy sacrifice, that, you know, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a willing sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know, we're to offer ourselves. It's our reasonable service to offer ourselves. And when we offer ourselves, we offer of what we have. And when Moses is called out by God to speak to these people, I thought it was so interesting because then it says that Moses actually had to tell the people, stop bringing we have enough. There's no more that we need. You know, he says, you know, God, we, we've got everything we need. They brought so much because their heart was right. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 2, it says, remember, it says, bring me an offering. Everyone that gives willingly with the heart shall you take it. So that that's important as we worship God. I, I believe people even come to church sometimes out of this idea that, well, you know, bless me if I can, preacher, come in and slap down and hope God does something great in my life. See, that's not not a willing heart. 
Yeah. Matter of fact, that's a heart that's often against God. It's like you, we begin to serve God out of duty. I don't worship God. I don't serve God out of duty do because, but I worship God because of who he is and because he, he asked it of me, but I don't do it just because he asked me. I do it because he loves me and I love him. It's worship. And whenever we worship God, there's this idea that we're bringing ourselves, we're bringing something. And and when you even when you go into the tabernacle time, out of the tabernacle time, into the temple time, excuse me, that that when you go into it, you see there's this idea that, that people bring their sacrifices. They would bring the animals in. They would place their hand on the head of the animal. They wouldn't transfer their sin to the animal. Some people said that, but, but that's not true. But it identifies with it. See, when Jesus went and died on a cross... We, we identify by faith we are saved. By grace we are saved through faith. Through faith in what? Through faith that we identify our sin killed him. And they would bring these sacrifices in and they would identify and say, it's because of what I've done. That was worship. And during the tabernacle time, they would take their tents and they would put them outside the tabernacle. So they would camp. These, these children of Israel, they'd put, you know, the, the, the uh, tribe of Dan on one side, the, the tribe of Naphtali on another. They had all these tents and these people would walk through those tents, walk down, if you will, through those dirt roadways. They would be walking down with their sacrifice, with their animal. There was a type of, and, and shadow of this, of, of confession. You know, the Bible says if we confess Jesus as Lord, we shall be saved. Confession is an important part of salvation. I so encourage people to do that after they pray at an altar, after they pray with me, to confess, confess and say, Jesus has saved my soul. I am a Christian now. And there was a type of confession. They would have this animal that they had raised up, that they had that they had poured into. And, and the, the priest would inspect that animal. So it was a, the best animal. They would protect that animal to make sure it didn't get tangled up in, in whatever, fencing or, or hurt on a rock or, or marked up. Because then the, the offering would not be accepted. There, there was work that went into this worship. And, you know, sometimes our worship is work. Sometimes when we go to church, we don't feel like going to church, but we worship anyway. We go to church anyway, because many times I've found that if I go to church and I don't feel like it, I usually got a blessing on the other end of it. But our worship costs us something. I'm afraid we're, we're, we're dumbing this thing down to where, you know, there's no humiliation anymore. There's no giving of myself anymore, but it's a, it's a worship of convenience is what I'm afraid we're moving into in this church century. And, and there will be a great falling away. I'm a, there will be in the last days. And I think we're beginning to see the falling away because we're losing our worship. But worship is is cost us, and they would carry these animals through these tents, and people would see them and say, you know, hey, they might say, hey, what did that guy do? You know, what did what did, what did they do? What what did someone in their family sin? Did did he sin? And there was a type of humility that went along with this, and then they would bring this offering, and and then the, the they would take it before the priest, and he would inspect it, and they would place their hand on that sacrifice, and they wouldn't transfer their sin. I've heard that said, but they wouldn't transfer anything. The sacrifice was holy. Jesus never sinned. He was, and this this sacrifice was a type and shadow, and they would place their hand, and they would identify and say, "My sin killed this animal." then they would kill the animal. The priest would dissect it. They would wash the skin. They would offer it. And, and then that, that offering, that meal would be, it would be a meal. 
And, and, and there are certain ones in the burnt offerings who would consume it totally, but many of them in the other offerings, they would actually share part of that meal. It was uh, that that's what they did. It was a community. And that's what we do when we go into church. We share in, in the process of that Savior. We share in the process of Christ and his redemptive work that he did on the cross. And it's something about when you share together, when you worship together, that there's something great that happens, and then they would divide that up, and certain parts could be eaten by the priest, and certain parts could even be eaten by the offer and those that came. And many times as they brought those offerings to the Lord, as they worshiped God, it may be the only time that year that they get to eat, maybe the only time a year that they get to partake of that. And and it was a great time. They, uh, I, I was reading, uh, studying on it several years ago, and it said many. They can imagine that the people that hadn't eaten meat in all that time, they would get close to the to the actual tabernacle. Might be the first time they offered that year. Might be what well, they offered a week ago. Just depend on the family and depend on the circumstance. But they would actually smell that, and they they would begin to salivate, and they would begin to to be hungry, and their stomach would growl. They would be so eager to be able to do this. You know, there ought to be a hunger in the things of God. I'm afraid we're losing a hunger for the spirit of God. I'm afraid we're losing a hunger to really worship God. I'm afraid that see the God the Bible the, the God of the Bible shows up when we're hungry for him. You know, I must decrease that he may increase, but we decrease in our righteousness, but we increase in our faith and our hunger for more. We want more of his spirit. We want more of his strength. We want more of his power. We want more of his glory. You know, uh, years ago, I was watching this uh, film, and I was watching this famous evangelist, and, and he kind of had a bad name for uh, because of some of the, the healing revivals and things he would do. But I was watching, and, and they were, he was over in Africa, and he was preaching to tens of thousands of people. And, and, and I was just kind of watching to see because I'd heard some things about this evangelist. And, and I thought, well, I'll just watch this and see. And, and I don't know where he's at or, you know, what he's, you know, done as far as, you know, he was faking some miracles and what have you. But I, but I saw something there as they were filming these people and God spoke to me and, and I thought it really looks authentic for those people standing there. I mean, they were crying and weeping and raising their hands and, and, you know, I could see it on their face. They were a broken people and they were poured out before God. And I thought, God, I've heard all these stories about this evangelist, but there's tens of thousands of people here. And it doesn't mean because you have tens of thousands of people you're affected, but I saw what I saw. I saw worship in their face. I saw worship in their eyes and the tears flowing down their face. I could see that it was authentic. And I said, I thought, I thought, God, God, what is this all about? And God spoke to my heart and God said that they're hungry for me. You know, God, God blesses his people because they're hungry, not because of the preacher. You know, the preacher has a part, but those people, God began to speak to me that we have to have a hunger for me, my manifestation. And I can promise you the people that were in that crowd were worshiping him because they were hungry. And it was a very, very poor country that they were in, but we got to have a hunger for God. And when we hunger for the things of God, we will bring God our offering. May our offering that maybe we will raise our hands, maybe we will shout. But as we come to the sanctuary, I bring a tithe with me. It's part of my worship. I thank God that He's given me a hundred percent that I can keep ninety. You know, it's a pretty good deal. He could have let me live on ten and him take ninety because it's God's anyway. But as I come, I worship Him in my tithe, my offering, and and sometimes we may not be able to go to to eat as much, and I 
remember when me and my wife began to first giving, we gave 10%. I believe in the New Testament church that there we're under grace now. We are to, if we can, we can give more, but I think 10% is the minimal. And me and my wife pray that, and, and we're able to give more than that many times than our 10% because God's working on us. I read a story uh, years ago about, I believe it was the man who invented the, the craft that did with craft cheese. And it said, I believe it was him. Uh, don't quote me on this, but there he gave 90% and he lived on 10% and that challenged me. I thought, God, I want to be able to give. Now that doesn't mean I'm right with God, but I have a hunger for seeing God's kingdom enhanced. I have a hunger to see God working in, in, through the church. And by the way, your offering needs to go to your church. Your tithe needs to go to your church. Your time that you spend, most of your time needs to be spent. If you're behind the church and behind the vision, I'm not against, we send offering to our evangelists. I'm not against you going to help volunteer or spend time in another church, but you are to be sowing into your community. You are to be sowing into those that are around you. Your tithe needs to go to your church. See, you know, as when I talked about this or worship, maybe many people would think, well, you shouldn't talk about tithe. Well, it cost the children of Israel something. It cost many of them more than they were able to give. And I'm afraid today when we talk about worship, we just talk about raising hands. We just talk about goosebumps. We don't talk about giving of ourselves. And I know many people that will give money, but they won't give their time. If we're lucky, they'll be in church just a few minutes after it starts, and we'll leave a few minutes before it ends. And and and, and that that really, I understand life is busy, but you have to ask yourself, am I really worshiping God? I've seen people can't sit through a church service without setting their phone down. Really? You can't give God an hour? Most of our church serves an hour to an hour and a half. Now, some of you go to other churches that are longer, and that's fine. And maybe you don't think an hour is enough, but I mean, we can't set our phone down. We can't stay seated for one hour in the house of God. God, God help us. The, the, the devil is out to steal our worship. God help us that we don't have this idea that we come and flop ourselves down and we're doing God a favor. And we put a $5 in the offering plate and we've done good enough. But the God of the Bible asked Moses and his people the first thing he asked them. He says, speak to the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering every man that give it willingly with his heart. What is your heart? Your heart is the mystical place between the soul and the spirit, but the heart is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's that's your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. You give it willingly out of your will, out of your mind. You you, you have to pre-plan to be able to give, uh, to be able to worship, to be able to give. And we're able to give this idea of this tabernacle. It's where the very presence of God dwelt. The, we know that the Fire directed the children of Israel by night, and the cloud covered it by day. We know all that about the tabernacle, but before the presence of God is, there was a giving heart out of their soul. Out of their, they, they purposed in their mind. They purposed in their heart. It was a willing heart, not a grudging heart. And it says that every man give it willingly with his heart. Ye shall take my offering. And that's where God speaks of what his is. And this idea of, of worship um, that we've had some people in our church recently and, and, and he's, he said this to me and, and I've heard this before, but I wish I heard it more often. He said, all I want to do is invite people to church. All I want to do is get all my friends in here. All I want to do is be able to help the church and do it. And we are to start this program and start that program. And man, we need to get an addiction class down here. We need this. This is we're doing great things. 
things, and I thought, oh my, he's found worship. Oh my, he's found salvation. He's so excited and eager to build and to do and to work. And he said, I've invited 100 people to church since I've been to work this last. He's been, you know how long he's been right with God? 14 days, he told me last night. 14 days, I didn't have to tell him to give. I didn't have to tell him to bring people to church, but he'd done it because his heart got right with God. God help us if our worship isn't this idea of bringing people into the kingdom. Worship is bringing people into our atmosphere, bringing people under the anointing and the presence of God, bringing people. God help us many times. Sometimes it's hard enough to bring ourselves and this seems like there's more week than there is money and there's more time, there's more things to do than there is energy. But I promise you get everything out of your life. That's taking away your worship. I mean, some of us need to be delivered from our calendar. Some of us need to be delivered from our commitments. Some of us are overcommitted and over calendared. We need to separate ourselves for a time of rest and say, God, I got to get this worship thing, right? Cause I promise you a heart that does not worship is a heart that will draw cold. A heart that does not worship, a heart that is not right, a heart that's not doing this Christian thing willingly, you will pay the price. And I encourage you, friends, that you take out time for worship and you ask yourself, what am I giving of my time in a day? How much time have I given God today? How much have I given him as much time as I've given other things? And maybe am I giving social media too much time? God help us. Uh, this is a struggle that I've dealt with. Am I giving other things too much time or am I giving God his time? Am I giving him, There's if I'm awake 15 hours a day, if we just use the 10% part, am I giving him an hour and a half? The Bible says pray without ceasing. So there ought to be a time that we're talking to God throughout the day, and I call them flash prayers. You know, it's part of my offering. It's part of my willingness to serve God. It's part of my worship as I talk to God daily because he's my friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and I talk to him. But are we giving God an hour and a half between the morning and the evening? Are we giving him an hour and a half in his word? I know that's hard, but I mean, maybe we can start with 15 minutes. When I first started giving to God, I started giving him about 10 bucks a week. Then I got to 50. Then finally, me and my wife decided whenever we married, we said, you know what? We're going to give God 10%, and we decided to do that. But start somewhere. Start putting your phone down somewhere. Start opening your Bible somewhere. It'll cost you your time. But I'm telling you, you will reap the benefit of a spiritual life that is full. You will reap the benefit of a life that understands what worship is. And I promise you, if you read your Bible during the during the week, Sunday when it comes, it will come alive to you because you will have been, if you pray for your preacher, if you pray for your church, if you die to yourself, deny yourself and pray for that. When that soul is saved on Sunday morning, I pray in your church, there were souls that are saved from time to time. But you'll be part of that. It'll be part of your worship. No, it doesn't mean you evangelize them. Maybe you didn't even bring them, but your worship is a part of your church and, and what you've brought to that. And that you're encouraging that you're praying for your pastor. You're praying for your leaders, your teachers, your trustees, whoever it is in your life. Maybe your small group leader, you're praying for that person. And when you come together, there'll be a sweet savor, maybe like the savor that the person walking down toward the tabernacle would smell the meat and they would salivate. I'm hungry for the things of God. I'm hungry to do what God wants me to do. I want to do it out of a willing heart. I want to do it with joy that overflows. You know, some of us need deliverance. Some of us need, we have things on our mind that are heavy. Some of us need encouraged. And I would encourage you to enter into worship with God. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you. If you have a topic, please send it in. 
I'd love to be able to share on a topic that you share. And uh, I won't bring out your name. I won't mention you. But send in a topic if you'd like for me to expound upon it. Until next time, friends, God bless.